Gaming is one of the most important verticals being built in Web3. A lot of people are looking for the Fortnites and the Call of Duties to come over to Web3, adopt NFTs, but that hasn't really happened. There are others who think we could see a AAA game built out of Web3 in the near future, and that also is seemingly very unlikely. But there are people like Pavel Baines who are building things right down the middle that can be extremely successful and really show the promise of Web3 gaming. Correct me if I'm wrong, but BlueZell was either the first or one of the first blockchains specifically dedicated to gaming, right? No, we were actually doing storage. And right, then... Well, right. And you pivoted. <laughs> yeah, because of, you know, are we even all these guys got better? <laughs> and but uh, and then MixMob, yeah, MixMob is completely separate on its own uh, path. But you obviously believe that gaming is going to be a major vertical for Web3 and crypto moving into the future. Oh, yeah. I think, um, so what's interesting is, so game people, because I came from gaming originally, right? That was my background before I went to crypto full-time 2016. So I worked at Disney, Electronic Arts, or Microsoft, all of them. So what game people are, are is they never want to be the first ones in. So if you look at it, like, if you, I mean you think about like mobile games, they were around before iPhone took off. And then all of a sudden iPhone came and people were still receptive. But then once Angry Birds proved itself, then Supercell and all these companies came in. Social, same thing. Uh, they wait till it's proven itself, right? And so, you know, I knew crypto could be used for gaming, but until like, I didn't believe because there's no talent in it. Once Axie kind of proved that, hey, there's a certain mechanic that works. Then I was like, okay, now there's something uncovered there. This stuff is going to work. And then the thesis from there was, I look at like my kids are all between now 11 to 15. What do they know? They play video games. They understand virtual currencies because of Fortnite and my Roblox and Minecraft and everything. They understand building things. Well, what are they going to do? Like, oh, now I can own the things I build and crypto is the money I can earn from it and use it. So it's just like a natural progression just on that thesis. Yeah, that, that all makes perfect sense. But you mentioned Axie. I think Axie, obviously, there was an economic model that was compelling for people who could make more money playing Axie Infinity than working at their real jobs in the Philippines specifically. And we saw yeah. that happen, but it wasn't a great game, right? So, uh, oh, exactly. um, so it's a proof of concept, but when are we going to see really great games in, in Web3? Do you think that's happening? I mean, that's a pointed question, obviously, because you're behind one of them. But uh, I mean, do you think that that's something that we're going to see soon? I think we didn't see it yet because the talent wasn't there, right? So let's just take Axie as an example, right? It proved just like mobile games kind of proved there's something there and then the talent rushed in. So once the mechanics are there, proof of concept, like you said, worked. Social game, same thing. Farmville wasn't a very good game. It was just addictive. But then people came and just you know, blew it away with what they could do. Um, so I think if you take the case of, let's say, the Mixmob team, they saw, I called them up. I was like, hey, check this Axie game out. We could probably improve on that, right? They're like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, yeah, we can do better than that. And then they're like, let's get a talented team together and let's go for it. Before, unfortunately, games aren't like DeFi. It takes like a year and a half, two years to get to market, test it out quickly, iteratively, and then you'll have some. So I think over the next year and a half you'll start seeing some of the talented teams that came in probably like a year year and a half ago start to come out 
are these talented teams that are web three native or is it guys like you who came over from Disney EA and such who are seeing the opportunity in web three or both? Well, I would say, cause I'm, I am crypto native and because I came from that space, I was able to recruit the talent. Um, the problem, and you've probably seen this is everybody thinks that gaming is like, I mean, you came from music, you understand this best as content. Everybody thinks that gaming is tech and oh, just throw some blockchain, we're going to hire some developers or whatever. It's like, if you can't, I can watch all the best action movies in the world. doesn't mean I could produce one tomorrow and it'd be good. Or music. I could listen to hip hop all day, but if I don't have the talent, I don't have the talent. So gaming tech to supplement is a support for the talent that has to creative design, balance the game, understand economy, understand art, all that comes in. So you can supplement that just saying, oh, just hire some firm and put it out there. So. I think you do need the traditional gaming talent who says, like, let's take the example would be the Mixmob team. They worked on Halo, Battlefield, FIFA, PokerStars, Nintendo games. They're like, hey, we've kind of done everything. We've worked on three-year budget titles. What else is there? Oh, this is interesting. We can actually carve our own path there and do something really cool. So that's like their draw. So you're just going to see more of those come in. So talk about Mixmob. What is the game? What differentiates it from other games that are being built? Why did you decide to focus on that? Yeah, it's so Mixmob as a concept was the core team when they came together was what if we built a concept that an AI de take, deletes the world of all culture and so says, I'm taking everybody's going to become worker bees and they're drones. It's just a grayed out world. And then they had the concept was, okay, a group goes underground, says, hey, we need to remix the world how we want. They were very influenced by, we were very influenced by uh, Into the Spider-Verse, right? Like that was a remixed world of everything. So they're like, let's take that concept, say underground group comes together. They're called the mix mob and their whole goal is to remix culture, like how music is, how games are, how the cities are designed and they're going to battle the AI. So that's an overarching mega franchise theme to be like kind of like a Mario type of franchise. The first game was almost like, let's, the, the studio designer, uh, Simon, the CEO, and they're like, we can't build a AAA game. It's going to cost way too much and it's going to take years. So for example, all you see in web three, like crypto games saying, oh, we're going to build this AAA game. Years later. At, yeah. I was if at ever. So when I was, yeah. They have awesome trailers though. They have awesome trailers. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm a trailer that you could spend 50 grand on or a hundred grand on, but you're <laughs> right. So. I was at Disney when we they greenlit two games based on existing IP that they owned, $35 million each game, which is relatively still expensive back then, but it's cheaper now. But anyways, $35 million, which is massive for them, two games each, $35 million, three-year development cycle, existing IP that Disney, the best IP company in the world, both games fell flat. So my thinking was, if the best IP company in the world can't buy a hit, who is anybody else? So with Mixmob using it, the team said, let's do a mid-core game instead of AAA that's going to take three years and it might just be worth nothing and we wasted our lives. Let's do a mid-core game that people can pick up quickly, play, give feedback, short attention, like you said, short attention span and get going. So the game is a card strategy battle racing game. So the best way to describe it is Mario Kart meets Clash Royale. Yeah. So... Instead of you and I picking our power-ups while we pick up while playing Mario Kart, we design our card deck from the beginning. That's our power-ups. 
there's a lot of game theory. You're like, hey, Pavel's got these ones. I'm going to pick these ones. I know how he plays. I'm going to try to counter that. And so that's how you get those elements. And each race lasts three minutes. Boom, you win some money. You evolve to the next race and keep going. And that's how it's designed. That, it's an interesting strategy to start there. How many people do you think are playing it? How popular has it been? Has it been somewhat consistent? Or is it is it sort of a proof of concept? I wouldn't say proof of concept. So the game, the team just executes really well. So this is another thing I Web3 games or crypto games don't understand. Building a studio is really hard. Building a studio and building a game at the same time is doubly hard because you're starting from zero, team dynamics and everything. So the team started January full-time 2022 with like six people. Now it's up to 40. So after just over a year, every three, four months, they release a version of the game, like three alpha. And it's not an alpha, like just a level. It's like a full game, like how you log in, the feedback you get, how to set up a wallet. The whole gaming experience, like a full game and each one's just gotten better. So over the course of a year, the first version alpha was last April. Average gameplay was like 15 minutes. The last one that just finished alpha version three that ended end of February, that's up to like 35 minutes. That's so huge. Yeah. It's, it's massive. So all the stats that we care about, like, okay, average gameplay time was big. Uh, retention, I think it's like at 40% seven day retention, which is super high. Normally it's mm -hmm. like way less. And this is all alpha, not big marketing. It's just a poor group that just expands slowly. We launched the last version uh, in-app purchases. So you're buying the in-game token to purchase entry fees and other things. Most mobile games, most games are like 2% average purchase. I think we were like at three to four. And this is like alpha with all holes. Like it's not a good experience, the purchasing side. So that was big. So those are three main metrics. Oh, the other one was referral. So we want to test out the virality that if Scott signs up, has fun, will he invite other players and how many will join? We found that for every player who went to the referral program who sent out invites, it brought in 2.7 more players. So customer acquisition. So this is something like crypto people forget that this is what game companies do. Like you figure out all these different levers and keep putting more money into it. So I would say after three versions, just over after a year, everything's trending the right way that makes us give confidence that next comes a closed beta. I'll run a few months. And once we're ready for open beta, where we go wide, we'll have figured out the marketing, customer acquisition, viral factor, how long they play, how to keep the loop going. It'll all be there. So that way it's a guarantee. It's it, we've reduced every risk out there and it should be successful. So I would imagine though, with anything in web three or crypto in general, general, there's still obstacles to success that maybe you don't control as an individual pro, pro project, right? Or an individual product, like just general UX, UI, or technological problems that have to be solved. Are there any like glaring things that you think before you can reach a mainstream level still, still need to be solved and not necessarily just by your team? Mm, I actually don't think that stuff is there. Um, the problems have been is really is, and it's good doing like full alpha versions that are good because the technology is still new that you're finding, Hey, this didn't work with this wallet. We got to solve for that. So we're trying to plug all those things. So it's a smooth experience, but I don't think any major technical leap needs to be done in anything that we've got to wait for. Yeah. Um, 
I guess it's, I'm more asking anything, about UX UI though, because even you're saying you're testing wallets. I think there's still billions of people on the planet who like are intimidated by getting a wallet. So, okay. So I think that's, I think this is really good what you're talking about. It's another thing that comes down to marketing and positioning is everybody is always thinking that either it's crypto binary or it's got to go mainstream, but forgetting that everything has to transition through. And there's a book recommended to somebody, me at Simbra, I can't remember, but it was really about identifying like that slice that we're calling the movable middle, like the swing boat. We're not going to get that gamer who's just saying, fuck crypto, they're a bunch of scammers and I'm just playing right. Call of Duty all day. What we want is that person who plays that stuff and go, oh, I'm curious about the ability to own my own asset. So right now that might not be a big, massive group, but that's okay. You don't have to be. There's games that I know I know friends of mine in the gaming industry that they did a real-time strategy PC game 10 years ago. It wasn't by EA. They self-published it. They got some funding. No one really knew, but these guys are making, they were, they were taking over $10 million profit a year for six years straight. But no one really knew, but they had their audience because it didn't have to be Call of Duty, right? It was like, boom, we got these players and they'll keep coming and keep giving them what they want. So I think we just got to get out of our mindset that it has to be Call of Duty. It's like you could still make money through a certain market and then let it kind of expand naturally. I mean, we both obviously have like some background with music industry and interest in that. And that's yeah. just reminiscent of the independent artists now. Right. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's I mean, always you know been that. that way, but like now with self-publishing and not needing a label and SoundCloud and YouTube, you build a fan base of a thousand, two thousand, three thousand fans who will buy everything that you put out. You can make an incredible level a living without ninety-nine percent of the people on the planet ever having any idea who you are. Uh, I mean, my best example because I'm in Canada and I was talking about this the other day was. I remember hearing the weekend before anybody even knew who his he had gone the first year where he didn't reveal who his face was. People didn't know if it was a group or if it was a single person. He I dropped his yeah, you know, he dropped that mixtape album on me, and we were like, "What the hell is this? This is unbelievable!" And then the first time he showed up live was like a year later. If we were like, "Whoa!" and he went like that for like three years. Yeah, I think Mac Miller had a very similar trajectory, like not necessarily being anonymous, but he was playing literally like 10 to 15,000 person shows before he had ever put out an official album or was, you know, wow. or, or was signed to a label and didn't. I mean, Drake famously, you know, put out a mixtape before he was signed to a label and stuff, too. But so I, it makes sense that that path would exist also in the gaming world. I would also imagine that there's a huge sort of uh, crossroads of people who trade crypto and play games. I mean, I see it all over, you know, crypto Twitter, but there, there is a got to be millions of people who are just the same audience. Uh, I think that's that's the really cool thing about it, that you do have a built in audience of early adopters who are gamers. So if you can prove yourself from them and all the mechanics and but you also got to design the game so it does appeal to them. So let's say Mixmob as a certain version, one of the modes, it, it goes, the modes that you got to see the next month, it's going to be rookie, hero, and there's a degen mode that you enter this race, you put up some money and there's, and if you're perfect, you're going to win the most where the other ones give you a bit of, you know, let's say, okay, the rookie mode is, let's say I enter for three bucks. Every race I win, I get some money back. And then, you know, the most, if I win eight races and I only have three lives, Let's say I'll get like, you know, triple my money back. 
but at four four races I win. But if I win four races and lose three in a row, I'm up. That's gone. And then house keeps it. Then hero mode is win five races, but you get two lives. Then degen mode is you anti up the most. You only get one life. You got to win like five straight races, but you're going to win the most. But that appeals, right? That's I mean that that literally that's just like hundred x twenty x ten x five x leverage. Well, that's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you laugh about this because so a couple of the investors in MixMob is their poker, their former poker pros. Sure. So they helped des- they helped design that aspect of it. They're like, no, give them that. And then um, Arthur Hayes as well. He's an investor, and as he was doing some of the analytics or just seeing the game design, he's like, yeah, you got to have these modes for these different guys, like extract value, right? That's what they want to play. So it'll be more fun. So it's pretty cool to get that from them. I mean, the guy who invented hundred X perpetual swap leverage in crypto <laughs> is, uh, is an investor that says all you need to know about uh, the DGen mode, I would imagine, which is awesome. Yeah. You know, the audience, right? And, and what is Mixmob built on? I mean, you obviously have a, uh, game based blockchain that you founded, which is, uh, you know, blue Zell. Is it, uh, are they, is there any sort of affiliation there or, or where is it being built? It was, no, we want to do it completely separate. Uh, blue Zell could probably use for the storage layer, uh, after, but right now it was off the gut. It was off of, uh, Solana because Solana offered the speed that it needed for gamers to just basically get in, start playing and the UI. Uh, moving forward, we also look at each chain as like when you make a game, uh, you, you port to other systems. Like you start on sure. Xbox, let's make yeah. a version from PlayStation, PC, all that. So we look at chains the same way. It's like what audience resonates with us? It could be BNB chain. It could be whoever after and be like, Hey, let's put a version on there and connect it all together. So you said, obviously this is not what you would consider a triple A game. Are we going to see AAA games that are sort of Web3 native? I always ask this question to everybody in the gaming space, but I guess that could either be a a Fortnite or a Call of Duty coming in and adopting some sort of Web3, but I'm more talking like, you know, NFTs in game that you can actually trade, but I'm more talking about, will there just be some, you know, team that comes out of Web3 and builds a AAA game like we've been waiting five years for, and it all functions perfectly and comes out of this industry? Uh, I don't think it'll be for a long time. But just the you got, I, I mean, Call of Duty, Grand Theft Auto. I mean, you play these games like me. Grand Theft Auto takes like eight years cycles, right? And Rockstar has been doing it for 23 years. And uh, those teams have the technology and the iterative and they know how to do it. To all of a sudden take a hundred person studio and say, yeah, you guys go make one in this space. It, it would just... It's going to take, they're going to go through so many, uh, if they're even successful to release a game because egos and everything come in. Like I said, I was at a game studio at Disney where they had the top talent. Egos got in the way. Once it got to like 80 people and it literally self-imploded because super talented people, but they couldn't get the processes together and stuff like that. So I think there's just so much risk attached. There's so many obstacles attached to it. It would just be so difficult. So do you think then that, do you think we could see some of them at least adopt some side of the crypto aspect, you know, like the, and obviously NFTs are the lowest hanging fruit there where, you know, you talk about skins and stuff in Fortnite, if those actually become NFTs and tradable for real world dollars, is that something you think we'll see? Or do you think that they're resistant to that? 
Um, two sides. I think logically they'd want to, but a lot of these bigger companies are owned by public companies and everything a public company does, like electronic arts or whoever, has to go through legal, like everything. They can't, like some of the stuff that the Mixlop team can't believe we do with marketing and stuff is because we just, it's crypto, just launch it. No one's going to say anything, right? We don't have that internally run say, but if they're at EA, if they wanted to just do anything on Discord, EA would be like, no, you're not going to do that, right? They're a publicly traded company. So I think that's going to hold them back from doing it. So I think independent game studios are doing, we've got like a three to five year advantage um, in that. Now I think, will a AAA game come out? I think, and this is being biased, but I think if a, a team adopts a strategy like Mixlom's team where put a mid-core game out, because that's our plan, put a mid-core game out, that's successful, built out all our processes in a low-risk way, the next game they already have planned is a AAA MMO. But at least they've already got the processes down that they can transition and say, okay, now we've got the time to do that because one game's already successful, that feeds into the other one. So I think you've got to kind of follow that type of route. Yeah. So do you think that there's a fear of regulation then from the larger ones? You said, obviously, they're going to have to go through sort of uh, the processes of being a publicly traded company if their fear that an NFT is some sort of unregistered security, I would imagine that kills it dead in the water from day one. Exactly. So that's what they're thinking. If they have no idea and they're just like, it's too risky to even put into, I think they'll pay, you hear this, some of them, or they'll play lip service that, oh yeah, we're looking at it, but none of them have actually done it. And I've heard from internal people that they tell them teams inside, like, fuck no, you're not touching <laughs> anything yeah. with crypto. And it's just a fear factor, right? Which is an advantage to us. So I think gaming we've established is definitely one of the next main verticals of the space. Is there anything else that you're seeing built right now that you're excited about? I mean, I go back to what you and I kind of always chat about. It's music, man. Like it's yeah. so it it's it makes so much sense of like the distribution of money. Like I used to remember even like eight years ago with Spotify, I'd sit there and go, if I listen to what happened was, I think my kids, they were listening to Tegan and Sarah from Vancouver, you know, yeah. that twin group and they're like indie yeah, and pop. So if they, my kids are spending, let's say, and my kids are five to eight then, but they're spending, let's say 10 bucks a month. And all they spend is 80% of the time listening to Tegan and Sarah. Literally, literally the 80, same song. Eight, yeah. Over and over again. Yeah. Eight, 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 eight bucks should only go to them, but how Spotify and all that, they aggregate it into a pool and Taylor Swift's getting all the majority of that money, not Tegan and Sarah. Right. So where crypto would basically easily just audit that through and saying, yeah, those are the plays that's going to that band. If I'm listening to like De La Soul or whoever, they're getting my, the biggest portion of my 15 bucks a month. Right. And, uh, and then publishing, I mean, it's just so natural for music. It just needs somebody to say almost like an end. It's like needs a, uh, like a 50 cent was coming up today or a Drake and say, you know what? I can make my own audience. Like you say, Mac Miller and be like, screw it. I'm going all like crypto. I'll manage everything for me. And there you go. That's a proven model. I mean, we had Bandcamp. I, you know, I mean, there, there's yeah. been, uh, if you just outside of crypto, I mean, sh there's been ways that they've done that. But I agree that music applications are potentially absolutely massive. But it's once again, so disruptive that you have to wonder how the incumbents will react or whether they'll adopt it or whether they'll just completely push it out. Right, a record label does yeah. not want to see a musician putting out a bunch of NFTs that they don't get money on and and sort of supplanting that that model. But there are really interesting companies that are working on it. Royal, obviously, and Audius to a different on, on sort of the other mm -hmm. side. They're trying to solve these problems. It's just I 
I think uh, it's hard to disrupt the music industry. It's like disrupting the banks with crypto, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy because we were talking to one, I'm not going to say it, like a really mainstream artist who wanted to do something with, put some music for Mixmob, do this. And they also look at it as a money grab. So the, the amount that they were charging, I was like, I can find an indie artist and invest that into them and take a chance that this person makes it as opposed to paying you for two tracks for this. Like, come on, this is out of hand what you're what you're thinking that we would pay. Like, yeah, forget it. Yeah. Yeah, ever see what a rapper gets for a verse? I mean, that's just that that uh, it's a sort of a very selfish model. So music, mm-hmm. gaming. Do you think that we'll see the NFT side, the art side of NFTs mature further? I think it, we had sort of a pretty clear bubble, I guess, you know, a year ago or even more now at this point. Um, do you think that we're going to see continued sort of popularity of the PFP side and the cartoon art? Or do you think that we've sort of seen the winners there and are going to move on? Yeah, I think I think the PFP side will be hard. I think the one of one and real artists. And the reason I do this because... I mean, you're married to you. My wife just got into this stuff, like the art side of it. She went to a couple of events in Singapore, met some of the artists. She's been deep diving the past month into like, okay, which artist is what, who does this, identifying it. And she's heavy into this thing now. So that's actually pretty cool that she's kind of learning that on her own and saying, this is what I'm going to buy and hold for the future and uh, going through all that. So I think that still is a massive area for you know the next generation to go how the pfp you know that type of ip model how that works out yeah i I don't know yet so i want to go back to your start obviously you said that you came over for gaming but there had to be an aha moment with crypto that uh just made you sort of make the leap right you had a great career in gaming you could have stayed on that side of it what was your introduction to crypto? How did you find it? And what made you become a degen like the rest of us? <laughs> it was, um, yeah, I did, it was just like, you just kept hearing Bitcoin here and there. And then tech. So I finally said, let me read up on this. And like most, like you just, you know, you just get deeper. Cause so once I understood the first white paper and the concepts of Bitcoin, and then really understood how banks work and how, you know, how Visa, where Visa really makes their money. So I was also studied finance, so that helped a lot. Uh, but then Bitcoin, what I realized was, okay, growing up, what was I into? Like science fiction, tech, you always want to make some money, uh, you know, futurism. And then also as a kid, the music we grew up with is like, you know, rev- revolutionary, rebellious. So I found that that was all wrapped up into one product called Bitcoin and crypto. I'm like, well, this covers like every interest I've ever had is like in this one thing. How cool is this? And then, and then you start going down that rabbit hole of, oh shit, this is really awesome stuff. And if it works, this is just like a whole different system. And then at one point you start understanding that. And now with music, I mean, with NFTs, art and gaming, it's like, I just look at it as an alternative system that I can like reside with. Like I can unplug from that existing one because I'm getting everything I want here. Finance, I'm games, and get my own art. I just like that that's being built out at the same time. So that's kind of like the philosophical side and the futuristic side of it. Right, but when you came in, you didn't do gaming, right? Bluezell was nah. storage. So you found a completely storage. different different sort of side of the market to focus on. Yeah, what we were doing was was originally started in uh, when we came to Singapore. We're just doing like 
consulting projects and stuff for like KPMG, some of the banks here. And it was a really cool experience to understand and understand what we want to do with where Web3 was going and things Forge is needed. But it was literally the most, some of the most painful stuff. Like anybody who sits there and goes, I'm inter if somebody comes and pitches me an enterprise blockchain idea, I'm just like, I can't believe you're trying this. They're never going to hire you. It's never going to happen. It's like focus on our market that's there. Uh, but doing that allowed us to kind of understand the market a bit more. And then my CTO, who's more into tech, he was like, hey, if Web3 really goes and decentralization, they need a storage layer because we need a full stack. And that kind of dawned on there. And then we just kind of kept going with there. And you just kind of go through the bear market, adapt, keep pushing through new opportunities come up, which is the exciting stuff about this. Like, I mean, look at your career where you started and, you know, <laughs> investor and media person. Yes. Right? I, I, I don't even know what to call now. it on any given day, but yeah, it's, it's nice to be able to constantly evolve, but to sort of find a path where you can incorporate all of your previous passions, which I think has been the case for me and clearly the case for you. Totally. That's it. Right. We get to, I mean, come on, we're like, you and I are kind of the same age. Exactly. It's like when people ask, what do you do? I'm just like, same shit I wish I was doing at 14. I'm still doing like, it's crazy to think all that time goes and I'm still, I'm being able to do that every day now. Bullshit with my friends, hang out, work on some cool projects. <laughs> and we're always trying to try to make some money. That's it. Like, that is, living the dream. Man. Us, man. I, I, but yeah. interestingly, I think for a lot of people, just going back to sort of like the crypto ethos and, and what's being built, a lot of people in the early days, believe that Bitcoin and and DeFi and all these things could replace entirely legacy systems. I've always thought they would just be like a parallel rail for the people who wanted to opt out. It sounds like that's your approach to the gaming side as well. Like we don't need to be to replace Rockstar and EA to have successful Web3 gaming. Yeah. Oh, not at all. Like definite, right? Like even if you look at mobile games, Supercell, the guys who did Clash of Clans, like all these games got pissed on at that time too by game developers. Game developers are like super arrogant because they think what they're working on is the biggest thing. So if you had these guys working on Call of Duty, Halo, Gears of War, they looked at social games, mobile games as like, oh, you guys suck. Who would play these things? But it didn't matter. They started making money and grew on their own, right? So despite what they all could say about crypto and Web3 games, it doesn't matter because it's like we'll own our own area just like mobile and social did. And it could generate a ton of money on its own and live in that same place. And people just get to pick which type of games they want to work on and which ones they want to play. It's just a new genre. So, I mean, are you still then passionate about some of the original things outside of gaming, DeFi, Bitcoin itself? I mean, do you still consider yourself sort of a maxi about crypto or is it more just where you're building right now? No, no, I'm still like half the time you're still reading, doing that. That's what you transact with that's what you want like going back to what you said that parallel system i like living in that parallel system of finance and seeing all these things evolve like it's awesome like it's an unbelievable time that we're all in that we can get a kind of witness i mean i'm i'm actually more grateful that gaming came out as that because i was really in it for the financial system and parallel stuff that's happening there the fact that gaming came along and allowed me to call my old friends build a studio put that together leverage uh, the relationships I built in crypto from 2016 and opportunities and everybody I knew and bring that all together. That's just like a byproduct of everything that's happened beforehand. So it's, it's super cool. 
I mean, you've obviously been living abroad for quite a while. What do you make of what's happening on the regulatory and legislative front for crypto in the United States? I mean, you're obviously living in more friendly jurisdictions. Like, how, how do you view everything that's happening here? And do you view it as a threat to what you're building? It's, I think, I mean, same as everybody else. I think it's just frustrating watch when the people making those rules or casting opinions are so ill-educated on it. Like I, I read that report the Biden and then put out the other day and they're like, well, crypto as these five things failed to do it. It's like, no, it did eliminate the middleman. It did allow lower income people to transact <laughs> things. It's like, oh, the five things they named out, it's like, no, they proved out each of those things. Like it's just it's they're so misinformed. Yeah. That's what's frustrating. Yeah, but do you don't think that they'll land in a place that will fundamentally impact what's being built in the space? It may in the United States, but it's very global, obviously. Uh, what, what do you mean by that? I mean, listen, like if they deem everything a security or try to ban, uh -huh. to, you know, like what does that mean, you know, for if you're building something in this space? Yeah, I think it, it, it'll be a bit painful, but I go back to... I mean, like I said, we grew up in the hip hop era where it was all parental advisory stickers. Don't listen to this. Yeah. They were steamrolling albums. Dude, I, I say this to people. I was like, growing up through it, the closest thing I've seen to a cultural impact since hip hop is crypto. It's rebellious. It's you learn. It connects everybody. It's a fuck you attitude. It's like the more they push against it, the more people are just going to find a way to survive and connect with more people. So it's just. I think uh, I think I'll still just find a way, whichever it is. I mean, it's gone this far. <laughs> I, I love that. Obviously, you said you built on Solana from the beginning. Do you have any concerns with what's happened there over the last year? I mean, I think they were sort of the baby with the bathwater for FTX and literally had nothing to do with any of that. And I think that's largely been resolved. But is it, has there been any friction with like their issues with some downtime or anything like that? Or does that not concern you? That was last May um and then all that but all those things have been solved uh you know talked to the solana team core founders just a couple months ago and even them they're feeling a lot better they were saying because the developer activity the developer the solana community first itself is like i was at lisbon for breakpoint and it's totally yeah. different from an ethereum event yeah. Ethereum events are like silicon valley tech focus it's like that silicon valley lisbon breakpoint was like los angeles it's, it's like party. people are just and uh, but how they dress, how to interact, the products they want to make, it's more consumer friendly. So I was like, that's actually pretty cool. It's like a city. And then um, they said that didn't leave. The developers didn't leave. They're still there building and getting through. A lot of the technology issues of downtime have been resolved. Um, and so I think uh, the new stuff that they're making a play at, it's going to be pretty cool. And it's like, for us, it's just gamer experience. They're an audience there. Can we prove it out and then move on to the next thing? I think we kind of talked about the shorter term vision the next you know year or two. What do you see as best case scenario in 10 years for everything you're building? What's the grand oh. vision? Oh, grand vision is Mixmob is like a Mario style IP. So you've got the battle rate, you got the racing game, then we'll have the Fortnite style MMO type of game. Then we wouldn't mind having, let's say, a Mixmob sports game. Just like you got you got Mario Tennis. Mario Party, which is like the fun thing. 
Super Mario Brothers, obviously, which is like their platformer adventure. So that's how we want to see it, like as a fleshed out IP that has different genre games. That'd be like the ultimate 10 year plan. Think it's possible? Yeah, I think if the first one's successful, the cool thing is I was explained to somebody and when they were like, what if you're playing Mario game, but all the stars you collected you can and coins, you can go transfer to the next game and that gives you a leg up or an advantage on that. How cool would that be? And we could actually do that with crypto, which is awesome, right? I want to see it happen, man. I, I, I believe and uh, I think that, um, you know, I've had this conversation over and over again, but here sort of in the bear market where interest is less, I think we're going to see the coolest things ever built that people just don't see coming. Well, for sure. Like you can still see people are still passionate doing stuff. Um, you know, I went to a couple of Solana hacker houses. I mean, that's, this is kind of, it's offset, but I always say to people when they doubt like crypto and things like that, it, uh, and like, oh, it's this, it's that. I was like, go to a hacker event. You can't tell me all these people came into this room just to build up some bullshit and some scammy stuff, right? They're actually really care for the next three days of what they're doing. And then that will change your mind right there. So that those are always refreshing to see these hack, uh, these hacker events. So where can people uh, check out what you've already built and keep up with Mixed Mob and then keep up with you after this conversation? Um, the best is mixmob.io is the website. And then from there, the two places that we spend the most time are probably Twitter and Discord. Our team is always on there. And it's, it's really full of crypto guys who are into gaming, but they care more about the product. So the amount of feedback that you get when you release a game and these guys just come back and tell you what's good, what's bad, and you get it in real time. Real studios go and pay people like a lot of money to get that. And in crypto, you've got the natural community who does it. So come to our Discord and then myself personally, just at Pavel Baines, P-A-V-E-L-B-A-I-N-S. And usually I spend the time just talking more about like gaming, how it comes together, entertain the combination of culture, music, entertainment, and crypto and finance. So basically the stuff that you and I just like to jam on. Before I let you go, the most important question, Biggie or Tupac? Oh, Tupac. I'm West Coast. Like, Dang, that was it. Come on, I'm a big idiot, <laughs> I, I figured you were going to say up. that. Rakim or yeah. Big Daddy Kane? Oh, it's got to be Rakim. He just okay. looked like okay, a cool we, dude. We found, <laughs> we found one then. All right, we're good. We, nice. I, can live with the two, I can live with the Tupac <laughs> thing, man. Well, thank you for the conversation. Always a pleasure. We're going to have to uh, keep having you come back so we can see uh, awesome, the progress Scott. of what's being built, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dan. This was fun. That's dope.